Welcome to The Link, Bridging Faith and Life with Dr. Vincent Baycote. Dr. Baycote is a professor of theology and the director of the Center for Applied Christian Ethics at Wheaton College in Wheaton, Illinois. On The Link, Dr. Baycote makes connections between Christian beliefs and our lives and invites you to begin building bridges between faith and life in your ministry, organization, and personal life. Now, let's join Dr. Baycote. Welcome to The Link. This month, I want to focus on a statement of faith that emerges at the very end of the Nicene Creed. The Nicene Creed, that common confession that Protestants, Catholics, and Orthodox share. And here are those words. We look forward to the resurrection of the dead and to the life in the world to come. Amen. Those words at the end are words that account for the fact that we all have to at some point contend with what some call the great equalizer. The great equalizer, of course, is death, the end that comes for everyone. And I found myself thinking about this because of the death of two prominent people. The first is Tim Keller. I actually had the privilege of meeting him a few times. And he truly was someone of tremendous influence, but also just this very humble, ordinary person who did not act like a celebrity at all. He was truly a a great godly man and an important figure for helping to display a kind of Christianity that had deep convictions. And yet he was generous to not just those who shared his convictions, but to those who may disagree with him in either direction. Those from the left who thought he was way too conservative and those to the right who may have thought that he was too moderate or not conservative enough. And many of us are certainly mourning his loss. He was a man of of great influence and it really is sad. And it's particularly sad because um, he died of pancreatic cancer. He had that diagnosis not long after he was retiring from Redeemer Presbyterian Church in New York City. And of course, he was going to have ongoing ministry. But um, I think many of us were anticipating another 20 years of Tim Keller, another 10 to 15 years at least of Tim Keller, arguably with perhaps even a larger ministry because he wasn't going to be as particularly focused uh, on leading Redeemer Presbyterian Church. But the fact that it came to him and that it was not what any of us were expecting, it really has, I think, hit a lot of us hard. That's the first death. The second death is of one of the greatest pop icons of all time. And that would be Tina Turner. She was first well-known because she was part of a group with her former husband, Ike Turner. And uh, if you ever saw a performance with with Tina Turner, you you saw that this was someone who truly could take over the stage. In fact, I remember hearing a story once that early in her career, when Ike and Tina Turner were opening for the Rolling Stones, Tina Turner and her dancers in the band would get the audience into such a frenzy 
that they had to wait for the audience to calm down before before the next band came out because that was the power that came from her. Part of what's interesting about her story is that she was in an abusive relationship and she wound up eventually leaving him, eventually divorcing him and then having some difficult years. And then she had one of the greatest comebacks of any pop figure. In her 40s, when the album Private Dancer came out in 1984, she became once again one of the biggest stars in the world. And she remained one of the biggest stars in the world until she retired just over a decade ago. She was, for me, and for many people, someone that was truly a tremendous performer, a tremendous singer, and from all the stories that people have talked about when they talk about her, just a nice person. And so, as someone who's one of her fans, hearing about her loss is also something that is heavy for me. And so, I'm talking then today about what do we do in the face of this great equalizer? And one of the reasons I think that it's important to talk about that is, yes, Christians may confess what we read in the Nicene Creed, but at least if you're in the United States, there's this interesting problem that happens. In the United States, we do not do death well. In the United States, we really do want to believe the promise that modernity seems to offer, which is if you give us just enough time, just enough time with mastering nature, even with our mastery of nature, what will we do? Eventually, we will conquer death as well. And believe me, there are people who are trying to do this. They're trying to find ways to, with the work of our own hands, to find a ways, find a way to have life to go on forever and ever in some form, but through the work of our hands. Whatever those efforts may be, what God's word tells us is that those efforts are doomed to fail. And what we must do is reckon with the reality of mortality. And so what do we do in reckoning with the reality of mortality? You notice in the Crete, it says we look forward to the resurrection of the body. What that tells us is that in looking forward to this, because of what Christ has done, whatever happens on this side, who we are, as whole persons, we actually are going to go on. Death does not have the last word. It does have a word. It often has a loud word. Sometimes it has an unexpected word. But its word is not the last word because we look forward to something beyond that. And so those of us who are Christians ought to be those who can admit that death, yes, when it has its word, it lands, and sometimes it lands really hard. And we will feel that. But that cannot be the only thing that we feel because we look forward to the resurrection of our whole persons. Body and soul, us as whole persons, that is coming to us. That is promised to us. Why is that promised to us? Because Christ has come, Christ has died, and not only died, Christ has risen. And he's risen in a body. He told Thomas, you can touch me, Thomas. Which meant... Oh, wait, the body. You can touch it. So God cares about these bodies of ours. And whatever happens in terms of aging or disease, those terrible things do not have the last word. And suffering does not have the last word. 
but we do feel it. And so we can have a certain realism about this, but not a realism where we are ultimately terrorized by what comes with death. However you think about the sting of death, the sting of death is temporary. There's another thing I think we, that we should also be thinking about when we think about death. At least it's something I've had to think about. When I think about people that have had prominence, whether it's in pop culture, whether it's people with successful ministries, whether it's people who are authors, speakers, politicians, whatever it is. I think sometimes I've kind of felt like the fact that they have had prominence meant that in a way they get to have a special permanence and kind of go on. In other words, well, they're kind of exceptional, so they get something different from the rest of us. But the fact of the matter is this. Tim Keller had tremendous prominence and popularity. Tina Turner had tremendous prominence and popularity. But they, too, crossed over. And the point being that no one, in terms of what we do in this life, no one has permanence. Even if our influence goes on beyond our time here, the fact is, is that we, in terms of what we do with this life prior to Jesus setting everything right at the end, we all have a set period of time, which means they have their time. They have a stewardship of that time. So what does that mean? It does mean that whoever we are, no matter what our relative prominence is, we do need to think about how seriously we steward our lives here. Now, this is important. When I'm talking about how seriously we steward our lives, I don't mean how we can feel like we should have an anvil on our head as if God is saying, you better make sure that you are the greatest steward of all. Or when you stand before me, I'm going to say, oh, you were such a bad steward. No, that's not what I mean. What I mean is something like this. What do you do when you, a gift that, when you have a gift that is something you really wanted? And a gift that allows you to do something you'd really like to do. With that kind of gift. What do you want to do with something like that? You don't want to just put that gift on the shelf. You don't want to just let it collect dust. You want to do something with it. If that gift makes it possible to do something, you want to do that something. Well, we all have that gift. And that's the gift of the life that God gives us. And he gives us all an opportunity to take what he gives us with our lives. And sometimes we don't know until we're experiencing certain things what those things are. But he gives us the opportunity to make something of our lives, not to make something of our lives again. So we're worried about whether he's going to treat us like a parent who says, I'm so disappointed in you because you did bad. No, but he's someone who says, Hey, here's something I have for you. Have at it and do your best. And I delight in, I delight in it because you delight in it and you participate in it. This is the opportunity of stewardship that we have. It's a delightful opportunity it's a gift and opportunity that God gives to us, not an obligation of heavy weight that God gives to us where God says, okay, I'm going to check on you and you better get it right. No, God says, here's something I have for you. Here's opportunity I have for you. 
Lately, I found myself thinking about that in terms of, of the book of Ephesians, chapter 2, verse 10, where it says, We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works that God has prepared beforehand that we shall walk in them. Those Ephesians 2, 10 works are gift. They are not works where we have to do anything. In fact, verses 8 and 9 of Ephesians 2 are telling us that we can't do anything to earn our salvation. Our salvation is a gift. You know what comes along with that gift? The opportunity to be transformed by God and to have the opportunity to do works he's given to us. That's the stewardship opportunity that we have with the time we have. And so recognizing that we have time, we don't know what the time frame is for each of us, God knows, but that we have it. It's our opportunity to look at this gift that God has for us and then to turn to him and say, Lord, help me to see how to delight in this gift and to use it in a way where I can actually do it joyfully, seriously, but joyfully and try to honor and serve you with the time that I have. And while we do that, we look forward not only to the resurrection of the body, we look forward to everlasting life. And because we look forward to that, that doesn't mean we we only think about the future. But because we know about the future, because we know the end of the story, whatever's happening in the present is the gift opportunity we have now with the life we have now. Even knowing that at some point the clock runs out on this part of life. And so this life after death that God has for us in resurrection, this life that God has for us in the kingdom that is coming with Christ, that will be an opportunity to continue living in the gift that he has for us. He doesn't tell us exactly what that's going to look like, but it's something we can look forward to. And in the meantime, what do we do? We can be honest about the fact that sometimes death is going to land on us really hard. Suffering is going to land on us really hard. And we might feel wounds. We might shed tears. We might shed a lot of tears. But all of those things are things that we experience knowing that they're temporary and knowing that that's not the only thing that's in the picture. What's in the picture is that we look forward to the resurrection of the body and we look forward to the life everlasting. And because we do, even when we see another announcement, the next one, that someone that we love or someone that we've admired, someone that we care about, we see that they're gone and it will hit us. But... It hits us in a way where we know it's not the only part of the story. God has the last word. And because God has the last word, no matter how our grief lands with us, no matter how we walk through grief and loss, we don't do it as those who are failing to look forward. Because when we look forward to the resurrection of the body and to life everlasting, even amid our tears and pain, We can look forward and say, oh, but look at what's ahead. We look forward, but our looking forward is not looking beyond. We look through. And in looking at what's ahead, it helps us live now as people who are truly truthful about suffering and death, but also truly truthful about the gift we have now to live in a way where God says, take my gift and make a lot of it. This is a great opportunity. Let's take it. 
This has been The Link, bridging faith and life with Dr. Vincent Baycoat. If you would like to connect with Dr. Baycoat and discuss today's episode or linking faith and life in your ministry or organization, follow the link in the show notes. Fill out the form and we will set up a time to connect. We hope you will join us next month for the next episode of The Link. Thank you for listening.